Geraldine Page and Life Erickson. Hello there, and welcome to episode 91 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about something in the woodwork. It's the 11th episode from season 3. Originally broadcast on January 14th, 1973. And it's a story with a few milestones. It's the uh, third story that Geraldine Page starred in. In, in, for Night Gallery. It's also Rod Serling's last teleplay for the series, which I think is notable. Directed by Edward M. Abrams, uh, based on the short story Housebound by R. Chetwin Hayes, which was originally published back in 1968 in an anthology. This is a story very much about a woman who is desperate and turns to a very unusual means to get her husband back. Good evening. On behalf of the management, I'm authorized to tell you that your presence here gives them great pleasure. They'd all be here to greet you personally, if not for prior commitments. Several are attending funerals and would have been here if it weren't so difficult to get out of the box, which should give you some idea as to the nature of our art. Now this painting, for example, Stairway Inspector, cobwebs and darkness. It's called something in the woodwork. It tells of what one might look for when purchasing a house, because that creak you hear in the dead of night is not always an errant rafter. Sometimes if you walk up those attic steps, you'll find yourself face to face with the very thing that goes thump in the night. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the night gallery. So Geraldine Page plays a woman called Molly Wheatland. Now she's an alcoholic and also a divorcee who's bought a house. Now this house was purchased for an incredibly low amount of money and the reason for that is that apparently it is haunted. People didn't want to live there. But the reality is that um, Molly doesn't see that too much of a problem. She's a woman who's quite lonely and a ghost, even one of a long dead bank robber caught named Jamie Dillman who was shot in gun battle with the police, would still seem better company than no company at all and just a bottle of gin. Um, she's incredibly lonely, in fact, so much so that she invites her, her husband, her ex-husband, I should say, a man called Charlie, who's played by Leif Erikson. She says that it's a birthday party for him, but in actual fact, she's the only person there. And um, it's a kind of cloringly awful moment when he basically she invites him his girlfriend his current girlfriend's waiting in the car for him just basically to show his face and then do one and um she tries to make a bit of a move on him charlie declines to stay and tries to leave and um she says that well Basically, Molly says that she has her friends now. She has her own friends. And um, they are in the wall, in the walls, in the woodwork. And the attic is haunted. And uh, they're all the company that she now needs. Um, Charlie says to her, basically, that she's, she's cracked. And um, says he will get help for her shortly. Because, obviously, she is having some kind of melt breakdown, possibly from the alcohol. 
No, I can't stay, Molly. I, I thought you said you had something you wanted to talk about. Well, that was part of the surprise. Don't you get it? That was just to get you here. Molly, I've got someone waiting for me. Who? Who have you got waiting for you? There's some little flimsy. Eh? Listen, Molly, we are not married anymore. Whenever I go out with another woman, it's a date and not an act of infidelity. Here, here, you better keep this. You give it to the next guy. In all probability, you'll need it. Oh, you in sickness. That's a matched set. You know what you are, Charlie. Now, let's not have another of I our raging scenes, Molly. You what you are, Charlie? You're scum! Molly is understandably very upset by this and goes up to the attic to try and basically make a pact with the ghost. Um, she threatens it and says that she will burn down the house unless the ghost does something for her. In this case, frightens Charlie to death. Um, Charlie's a man who's got a, a dodgy heart and any kind of spook or fright like this will be enough to send him over the edge. Charlie arrives that evening uh, and Molly's kind of cool about stuff and finally persuades him to come upstairs to the attic. Um, he thinks it's all nonsense and unsurprisingly and um, Molly makes herself a drink. Waiting. She hears a bang and a thump. And then to her shock and to her horror, she sees her dead husband, arms outstretched, the voice not of Charlie, but now of Jamie Dillman, the bank robber, screaming why she refused to give him any peace at all. It looks suspiciously like it is our man Jamie, or Charlie's, we're using Charlie's body to then grat some kind of revenge on her. Charlie? Charlie? Are you all right? Mrs. Wheatland. Charlie is gone. Where is Charlie? He's in the attic room, moving around, getting used to things. Why couldn't you leave me alone? There was peace in the woodwork. Peace. So yeah, Return of Geraldine Page to Night Gallery and you know, a welcome one as well. Um, you know, it's a different role once again from, from what she's done before. Um Stop Killing Me obviously being quite light and you know, very, very stagey and truthful in the way it was directed, but you know, kind of kind of a bit of fun. 
and obviously the grimness of Sins of the Fathers. This is somewhere in the middle, it's kind of sailing, given a bit of a... He has a bit of fun with the characterization, and um, I think it works quite well from that point of view. Um, apparently, originally, the director, Edward Abrams, was worried that she was going to be a bit of a nightmare. She comes with a reputation that she was quite hard to handle. Uh, but he says from it, she came from Broadway, a method actor. I'd always heard that she ate directors up alive. On my first day, I said, Geraldine, I'm quite new at this, but I think I know what I'm doing, and if you have any input, feel free. She said, Oh no, you're doing fine. I've just got to worry about my wardrobe and my makeup. She was a sweetheart. I was really amazed. Um, it's based originally, obviously, on uh, Chetwood Hayes' story called Housebound. Salen, again, from this point of view, actually does something a bit different to the story, much like, say, The Caterpillar. He takes the tale and kind of embellishes on the characterization, rather than just being a woman who's desperately lonely um, because she's effectively stuck in a house and her husband doesn't really look after her. The introduction of this divorce, the element, um, just adds a little bit more spice to the mix. Gives Josie uh, Page more to play with, I think, in terms of being, you know, quite a damaged woman and, uh, you know, quite more of a tragic character than maybe, you know, just a victim. Somebody who is, and I say tragic in a more, um, you know, Shakespearean way, like a tragedy kind of style, rather than just somebody who's quite, you know, quite deeply sad as a character. Um, to you, to do the 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 the, uh, the special effects of the ghost, it's uh, they did it in a very traditional manner. Uh, James Dillman was used doing. If you if you Google Pepper's ghost, I'm not going to explain it in its entirety now, but effectively it's, it, the effect is created with a pane of glass and shining the light behind somebody to create, create a, a shimmery effect on another part of the room. It was uh, used on the stage, it's kind of a, a trick mediums used to play as well to kind of give it the, uh, the stage, you know, give an effect that a spirit is in the room. I mean, we're talking more than a hundred years ago for that. These are the type of characters that would use fabric to insinuate that had ectoblasm in the mouth and stuff uh, I kind of I love the, 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 old, the old stage tricks you know like um, bits of string to move chairs and stuff like that I have quite a romanticised view of that kind of stuff considering the fact that you know it is effectively Charlotte's taking money from, from the bereaved the costume involved lots of black and white unsurprisingly to try and create like ghostly elements um i think it looks it does look quite quite theatrical and quite stagey but i think that's not a huge problem with this story um i think it still works quite well um abrams was uh, uh, does some kind some little tricks and stuff like that um he he basically um there's, there's some kind of sh there's some showy work in in, in it. Uh, that's partly because you know he's partly editor, partly director at the time. Uh, Abrams went on to do some quite cool stuff, but mainly his work as an editor is the stuff that we would probably be more focused on. Things like Street Fighter, TNT. Um, he did a lot of work with uh, in Columbo, which uh, which is fantastic. But he did do some 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 directing on TV as well. 
um, and uh, you know, uh, made she wrote and uh, and things like that. I mean, he, he kind of kept his hand in, tried to learn more, but I mean, he was very much TV based for that kind of stuff. Um, he criticizes his, his, some of some of the shots, uh, which is interesting because um, you know, I think there's you know a lot obviously a lot of night gallery skill was the fact that they were so willing to let directors kind of have a bit of a go do something a bit different to, to experiments as long as you're in the construct of, of the show and you know you delivered it on time um i think a lot of people's uh views of, of the show depended very much on how jack laird responded to them as a director or, or an editor obviously with Abrams laid her trust because of his skill as an editor so he let him pretty much do what he wanted it wasn't like say for example Fright Night where um, the hand you know the eye was very much on top and keeping far too close a look on the work that was being done at that time you know by by, by, by Jeff Corey Um, I think that's probably fair to say um, I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, you're talking about a very unusual story, a macabre story at that, and you know, ghosts in the attic, literally, uh, spirits in the woodwork. I think that it's understandable that um, that people, do, you know, that they weren't necessarily, you know, you can get away with a lot more. I think that's probably the easiest way to put it. So. Basically, this is um, Salen's last written script that was that was shown on the show. Um, he wrote more, a little bit more afterwards, which we'll go into a little bit further down the line once we've dealt with the other sh- the other episodes and, and the, the like the syndicated stuff. We'll get into a little bit into that at the end. Um, but I think you know it, at this stage, I think it's quite high watermark. Of season three, I think it's well written, well directed. It's not classic. I don't think I'd be quite so um, up on it if it wasn't for the fact that um, it was uh, it was surrounded by some some pretty dodgy stuff. And in truth, from here on in, we do go down the hill a little bit. Daphne Barge, the the Nimoy directed um, uh, story that's next week, is is you know is probably as good as it gets from now here on in in terms of what where we're going now um you know you compare this to the doll of death or you know pretty much anything that comes afterwards and it it does feel like the you know sailing ads provides a touch more class you know will you be long only as long as it takes to hear her current inventory of her despair, my deceit. But anyway, you know, let's keep everything positive. We're still a little bit, you know, a little bit further down the line to go. There's still some stories to tell. And some of them are entertaining. Um, if you want to email me, please do. My email is chris at thetwilightzonenetwork.com. You can get hold of me on my Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. The main hope for everything now is www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com There's links to our Facebook and to our Twitter. There's RSS feeds and all that, and you can find out exactly when we're putting stuff online. I anticipate I'll be done by the end of this year now. Uh, we're coming into December. 
uh, I've got about five weeks left and I've got nine episodes so um, either the first week of 2013 or uh, around Christmas time basically depending on I don't want to leave like something like um, room for one less up on its own for any kind of length of time so my guess is I'll just trunk, you know, throw that couple of things together very quickly and put bang them out and then just to finish off um, so yeah I mean you're kind of getting to the closing stages now so if you want to do get hold of me please do um, I'd be great to, great to hear from you um, but anyway until next week when we discuss Death and a Barge take care and I'll speak to you soon goodbye